So, Andrew, why don't you come on up? Andrew is um, our speaker this weekend. Um, just excited to have him. We have a connection, a close friend, a, friend, a good friend of his that he's worked with, um, somebody I've known since the early 90s who was doing ministry with internationals and lots of things. Maybe I should stand away uh, <laughs> Might have been electric. Um, but really excited to, to have Andrew um, bring the Word of God and the message to us tonight, tomorrow morning, and then tomorrow evening. So, Andrew, I'm going to turn it over to you. Can we welcome Andrew? Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. We might have to do a little sound check. There we go. Yeah, it's an honor to be with you all tonight. I love um, engaging with churches like this that have regular events like this to, to care for their missionaries well, to be involved in the larger mission of the church. Um, and so it was a, a huge honor to get invited to, to share with you all tonight and then the rest of the weekend. Let's see if this works. We are on. Hey, there we go. Cool. Um, well, we are going to spend a lot of time together uh, over the next, uh, this evening and then tomorrow as well. And so I wanted to share just a little bit of my story. I'll sprinkle some more bits of, of how God has kind of worked in my life, uh, both tomorrow morning and then tomorrow evening as well. Um, and the reason I'm doing this is because it's not about me. I want you to see how God can take an ordinary farm kid from the middle of nowhere in Nebraska and use him for God's, for his global purpose. And the reason I want you to, to see an example of, of how God can work like that is because I want you to see how he can use you in similar ways or maybe drastically different ways. But you have a part in this story. Um, we're going to look at the, the uh, book of Isaiah tonight and how God has really given us Isaiah as kind of a microcosm of all of Scripture. But that story that we see in Scripture is the story that you and I are embedded in. And so I want you to be, even now, begin to think about how your story is embedded in God's story. Okay? So, uh, like Garen alluded to, I grew up in Nebraska, um, farming community. My hometown is Deweese, Nebraska. There's only 90 of us. So you guys here in Emporia have us beat, I'm assuming, by several thousand. Um, uh, grew up on the, the family farm, Herbeck family farm in central Nebraska, to a loving uh, Christian family. Um, even though I grew up in a Christian home, uh, it really wasn't until vacation Bible school, when I think I was about eight or nine, that because of these two beautiful women, Edna and Marie, that I uh, heard the gospel and actually began to understand it in a real way for the first time. And so responded to that childlike faith as a, a young uh, person. And I don't remember if it was the same vacation Bible school or if it was the year after, but we actually had some missionaries that our church supported that were home on furlough uh, from Africa. And uh, they shared in our, our VBS similar to some of the stories that, that you'll hear this weekend, some of the stories that we've already heard. But I vividly remember playing on the front porch of our house at the farm with my best friend after that VBS. And we were, we were talking about what we wanted to be when we grew up. And because we had just heard these missionaries and the, the exciting ways that God was using them around the world, we decided that we should probably be missionaries. And 
we had these crazy ideas like, you know, you could hunt elephants and all kinds of fun stuff like that. But as, as a, again, kind of a simple childlike faith, God would use that uh, simple yes and over the years um, kind of develop me in that so that by the time I was uh, headed off to college, I ended up studying missions and anthropology and then got the opportunity to serve in southern China. Uh, I served there actually only about six months. Our, our project was to actually do ethnographic research. I'll share a little bit more about that probably tomorrow night. Um, but the goal was actually to uh, finish our research project. I was going to come home, support raise, and then go back long term. And I thought I would be in, in China the rest of my life. But right in the thick of all of that, actually, literally my last day in China, I was in debriefing, ready to come home, when I got the call from my sister that my mom had passed away, completely unexpected. I was a young 20-something. You know, it was honestly pretty crushing. Um, again, I'm going to share little bits and pieces more about that story uh, throughout the weekend. But God would take that experience, uh, actually bring me back to the States, and uh, get me involved in a ministry called Perspectives. Uh, and Perspectives is essentially a global discipleship course. We believe that every believer can have a strategic part in God's global purpose, whether we go as a, a traditional missionary or whether we never leave Emporia. We can actually have a strategic part in God's mission. But that doesn't happen by accident. It takes eyes to see and ears to hear. And so that's part of what we're trying to steward in perspectives. I might mention it some more over the weekend. But God would bring me back from China and get me involved in this ministry. So most of what I do now is on the mobilizing and sending side of things, um, which, as Darren kind of introduced, it's on our banners. You know, we've, we've given you some categories that we're going to make some application in over the weekend to help uh, give you some pipelines to know how to apply what God might be speaking to you this evening and the rest of the weekend as well. There's a glimpse of my story. You all have your own stories. You have your own challenges, your own struggles, your own uh, joys. The, think of, look at how many people are in the room tonight. Think of all of the years of experience and the many ways that God has in, impacted your own life and the person's life that you're sitting next to. Well, your story, just like my story, again, is embedded in his story, that story that God gives us in Scripture. And Darren so beautifully gave us kind of a broad sweep of Scripture, all the way from Adam and Eve uh, with the fall, sweeping down through Abraham and his descendants, through the seed of Abraham, who would be Christ. You know, Paul talks about the gospel being announced in that Genesis 12 passage, God's promise that he's going to use Abraham's seed to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Paul calls that the gospel announced in advance. Well, that thread, that theme, that narrative binds all of Scripture with continuity. And our story is actually still embedded in Scripture because that promise is not yet fulfilled. God himself is still actively accomplishing that promise that he gave to Abraham thousands of years ago. You and I are fruit of that promise, but there's still further peoples, families of the earth, that have yet to be brought into that Abrahamic blessing. 
They don't yet know of Christ. They have not yet heard of the good news of Christ. And so part of why we're here tonight is to help you find your place in that story of, of taking that blessing, of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Whether the ends of the earth are here in Emporia or whether they're in India or Pakistan, um, God is still at work accomplishing his purpose, okay? And you get to be a part of that. So we're going to look at Isaiah um, tonight. We're actually, oop, the, all of our sessions are building on each other. Tonight we're going to look uh, briefly at Isaiah chapter 49. If you do have your Bibles, you can start turning there. Uh, tomorrow morning for our, our Sunday sermons, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, what most of us, uh, the passage that most of us think of as the ministry of reconciliation. Paul is actually quoting Isaiah 49, the, the passage that we're going to look at tonight. And so you're going to get something that our people tomorrow morning are not going to get. You're going to get the backstory of what Paul is trying to do in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we'll pick that up again tomorrow. And then tomorrow night, we're going to continue uh, some of what Paul is trying to uh, convince the church in Corinth uh, to participate in. And we're going to continue on in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 tomorrow evening. So there's going to be kind of some coherent narrative with our sessions together. And then tonight, again, we're going to look at Isaiah. So let's jump right in. I want to respect our time and make sure we get out. Uh, we don't get out too late tonight. Um, we've got a, a lot of time to spend together yet over the weekend. Um, okay. So uh, in, if you look at Isaiah, I, I love what John Oswald says here. Um, essentially, Isaiah is a, a, a masterpiece in at least two ways. It's a poetic masterpiece, but it's also a theological masterpiece. It's, it's a poetic masterpiece in the sense that it's probably the finest use of the Hebrew language. You've got to remember, you know, Isaiah's writing in Hebrew. Um, and I've actually given you, uh, there's a couple of handouts. You've got access to, I think, some kind of what I'm calling a poetic outline. I think you've got it at your tables. You can kind of pass those around. It's not required. I will have the same thing up on our slides, but if you have a hard time seeing it, I've got it on the tables for you to, to look at as well. And then on your way out, if you are interested, if you really want to look more deeply and study on your own some of that poetic depth, um, I'll actually have some papers in the back you can grab and take home with you to study further. We're not going to spend much time on this tonight. Uh, but the second piece, that it's a theological masterpiece, essentially what he's saying here is that Isaiah manages to contain essentially all a, a microcosm of the entire biblical narrative, what God is up to in the world, how he's redeeming a people for himself, how he's calling a Messiah. Well, the passage that we're going to look at tonight is right in the thick of that. A little backdrop to Isaiah. Um, obviously written by the prophet himself, the prophet Isaiah, right during the time when the northern kingdom of Israel is falling uh, due to the invasion of Assyria. Judah, the southern kingdom, has not yet fallen. And he's writing probably to both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. But he's probably writing from Jerusalem. 
with this kind of impending, in, impending exile. This is right leading up into the, the uh, exile of Israel. That's the backdrop to this whole book. If you look at Isaiah, it's really broken down into three sections. This first section, you can see chapters 1 through 39, are essentially Isaiah writing to the people of his own time, to the northern kingdom of Israel, to Judah, people that are going to sh very shortly be taken into exile. Can you imagine that? But put yourself in their shoes for a moment. The, maybe in the next five to ten years, you're headed out to exile. You're going to be taken captive and taken to a foreign land, to a place that's not your home. Can you imagine what that feels like? There's a lot of people around Emporia that have experienced just that. There's refugees right here in, in Kansas that are coming from war-torn countries. They're experiencing similar things. So maybe keep that in mind. This is not just an experience, you know, several thousand years old. People still go through these kind of things, okay? But then there's the second and third part of Isaiah. And uh, it's essentially God speaking through Isaiah, this, the, this prophet that he has called, to a people in the future, to, to a generation that will be found in exile, and then even to a, a generation beyond exile. Now, I think God is speaking through Isaiah both to Israel as they were going to come back to Israel uh, after the Babylonian exile. But I think God is speaking to you and I today because we are the people of God on this side of the story. Does that make sense? So uh, I want us to read this not just as, again, as a, a crusty old story you know, from days long ago, but this is actually our story as well. We are going to zoom in just on the middle part, just on chapter 49, right in the thick of this part two. Uh, you can see I've got a, a bullet point, the three servants. If you, if you look at the, the second and third portion of Isaiah, Isaiah talks about a, a servant. Sometimes he, he talks about him as a suffering servant, as a, a Messiah servant, as a servant people. And Isaiah is actually, again, this is the poetic masterpiece here. I think Isaiah is intentionally confusing because he switches terms, he switches persons that he's talking about. And so um, even in our passage tonight, we can begin to think, is this servant that is being referenced, is it Isaiah himself? Because Isaiah talks about himself as a servant. Or is he talking about a servant people, the people of Israel? Because Isaiah talks about all of the Hebrew community as a servant people. He also talks about this servant in the singular, the servant who is to come, who we now understand as Christ, that Isaiah was anticipating, the servant Messiah, the suffering servant. Well, right in our passage that we're going to look at tonight, it's right in the crux of that transition. And it can kind of be unclear who we're talking about, but it's intentional. Isaiah, Isaiah is doing that to get us to think, okay? So let's look at this. 
Um, again, uh, this is a, a passage you have in front of you. I'm trusting that you're going to look at this in your scripture, in your, in your Bible as well. So I'm not going to spend much time on it. Uh, but I want us to take note of even verse 1, chapter 49. Hear me, O islands, and listen carefully, you peoples from afar. The, there's something about the ends of the earth, the, the nations, that are actually being addressed here. And Isaiah goes on, Yahweh called me from the womb. Now again, is Isaiah talking about himself? Or is he talking about uh, the Messiah? I don't know. Let's go on. From my mother's innermost part, he mentioned my name. He set my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. And he set me to be a choice arrow. In his quiver, he has kept me secret. He said to me, you are my servant Israel. Ah, so he's talking about Israel. Is it Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel? Or is it Israel plural? Again, there's some very interesting poetic stuff happening here. In whom I will show my glory. So Yahweh God is going to reveal his glory through this servant, whether it's the servant person or servant people. God is promising to reveal his glory. And what he's, what he's mentioning here, this choice arrow this sharp sword, it need not be a military context. The, the vocabulary here could just as likely be hunting uh, imagery, life sustenance kind of thing. So we don't necessarily have to have a militaristic imagery here. But the point is that these tools are purposeful, and they're very skilled tools in the hands of God. God is going to accomplish his purpose through this servant. So let's go on. But I said, I have labored in vain. Have you ever felt like that? We've got some tired missionaries here tonight. The people at these booths in the back, sometimes they've felt like they've labored in vain. Some of them for decades. Some of you have labored, felt like you've labored in vain. The, the, the work that God has called you to here in Emporia or wherever you've, you've worked or, or served. Well, guess what? There's hope. I want to I invite us again through the weekend. Maybe we can actually care for one another in this feeling of feeling like we've labored in vain. But for sure, let's care for our missionaries that are here, that are tired. Some of the stories we've heard all night, uh, already tonight, the stories we're going to hear tomorrow as well. Pay attention to the stories these people share. Ask them more about it after our sessions. Write down the prayer requests that they share uh, when they tell their stories and pray for them. Maybe t tell them that you prayed for them. Encourage them along the way. So he goes on, for emptiness and vanity I spent my strength. Surely my claim is with Yahweh and my reward is with my God. But now... This is what Yahweh says. The one who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring back Jacob to him, and not only to gather Israel, but also to honor me in Yahweh's sight. Okay, so now Israel is bringing back Israel. You see that? Up in, in verse 3, verses verse 5. Something interesting happening here. There's a lot of poetic imagery here. Uh, my God is my refuge. And then here's the, the key to this whole passage that we're looking at tonight. 
He says, Yahweh says, it is too small a thing that you be my servant to only raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the saved ones of Israel. I will give you to light the nations. Now, this is my translation that I'm working from here. Your, your translations might say something different here. You've got a lot of really good English translations. So, so press into what, your, uh, what version you've got you're reading tonight. But I think it's very interesting here, the gift language that we see in verse 6. That's very key for Isaiah, that this servant, uh, whether it's the servant people or whether it's the servant person, whether it's the Messiah, this whole paradigm hinges on the fact that this servant is a gift. God gifts this servant or this servant people to fulfill this great purpose, not just to redeem Israel from exile, but to also redeem essentially the nations to be this light, this person or this people are actually given to be a light to the nations, okay? You see that? To be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Now, here's where some, there's an interesting twist. Again, is this the servant people or is this the servant person? Well, I think for sure we see the servant person, the Savior who is to come, at least in Isaiah's day. Obviously, Christ came more on this side of the cross. We can't save people, okay? But we know the one who can. And so even though he himself was called as a light to the nations, to achieve that salvation for the nations, we get to be his people, and we can also be a people of light to share the good news of his salvation. So let's go on. This is a little bit of the poetic structure. Again, you've got your handout. Take it home with you. Press into it. There's some beautiful stuff happening here. But if you look at this, this is essentially one stanza in Hebrew. And there's a whole second stanza. We'll just glance at a couple of things really briefly. Where God goes on, Yahweh goes on, he says, The Holy One who redeemed Israel to, despise, to the despised soul, to the one who is abhorred by the nations, to the servant of rulers... Kings will see and rise. Chiefs will bow down for the sake of Yahweh, who is the faithful one, the holy one of Israel who chose you. That's a pretty big deal for kings to get up, right? Kings usually sit in their throne. But this servant, kings are actually going to rise in this servant's presence. And chiefs are going to actually bow down in this servant's presence. That's a big deal. We've got some imagery of that, even from the ancient world, kings bowing to fellow kings. There's some significant things happening here. Verse 8, thus says Yahweh, in a pleasing time I answered you, and in a day of salvation I helped you. Remember that. Paul's going to quote that tomorrow morning in our, our 2 Corinthians passage. I will protect you and give you for a covenant of the people to raise up the land and to inherit the inheritance of the desolate, to say to the captives, go free. To those in darkness, show yourself. Along the roads they will feed, and their pasture will be in all the open hills. They will not hunger nor thirst, and the scorching heat or the sun will not strike them down, because he who has compassion on them will lead them. And along the springs of water he will escort them. I will set all my mountains to a road. We sang about that earlier. The... the the valleys are going to be raised. The hills are going to be lowered. My highways will be exalted. 
Look, even those from afar will come. And look, even those from the north and from the west, even those from the land of Sinim, that's Persia. So if you think of Israel, uh, Isaiah in Israel, Persia to the east, that's where these people are coming from. Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Cheer, O mountains, a cry for joy, because Yahweh has comforted his people, and his afflicted will, he will show compassion. So you've got this servant that's essentially being raised up to be this light to the nations, and then you see people from the far, the ends of the earth, the nations that were being talked about even at the beginning, the distant islands. Now all of a sudden, they're going to be gathered they're going to be gathered right along with Israel. So think of it. Isaiah is writing this to people in exile. And he's giving them hope that one day they're going to be brought back from exile. But the nations are going to come with them. They're not going to come alone. The Savior is, it's too small a thing if the Savior is going to be for, for Israel only. The Savior, this Messiah, is going to be for all nations. Okay? So again, here's a little bit of stanza two, what it looks like poetically. Why does this matter? Why have I taken time to show you some of the poetics? Because Isaiah is intentional here. So if you look at the structure, and you've got this on your, your handout. Essentially, uh, this is a, a poetic structure. Some call it a chiasm or a palistrophe. But it's basically uh, pointing to, so if you see how I've laid it out here, the point that's furthest to the right, point D, God's nations are the ends of the earth purpose. That's verse 6. That's the whole point of this passage. Isaiah has intentionally structured this in such a way that he's drawing attention to what God says when he says, it's too small a thing that you should be a redeemer of Israel only, that you will be a light to the nations, okay? And then this whole passage ends with praise. Rejoicing, all creation rejoices. So as we wrap it up tonight, I want to ask you the question. Again, our, our suffering servant, our servant Messiah, was purposed for this, but it's no stretch to consider if we are purposed for that same calling. If we are Christ's people, if we are his body, if Christ himself is purposed to be a light to the nations, and that he's going to bring back some from the ends of the earth, we too will be found in that same mission. We have a part to play in this. We too can be this light to the nations, okay? So we're going to look at that more uh, tomorrow, but I want to ask you, how do you understand your calling? God chose you in the womb. He formed you with the same kind of skill that we saw in the first part of this passage. He desires you to be a, a skilled tool in his hand for his global purpose. But how you understand your calling, I want to dare say that some of you, that calling is too small a thing. How you see your own mission within God's mission is too small. God is inviting you this weekend. Give up those small ambitions. Too small a thing. Take up this grand purpose of God that he himself is doing. It's not us to do it. God's the one that accomplishes his mission, but we get to be part of it. Okay? So consider that.
Is your own purpose, is your understanding of your own purpose too small a thing? As we look tonight, you've been given some, uh, a next steps card. You're gonna, I'm going to be referencing this throughout the weekend. But you can see we've got some, some uh, opportunities for going, for welcoming. Um, just like we see in the passage, we see this servant being sent out, servant to the nations, but then we see the nations coming, being gathered with Israel. There's a welcoming uh, paradigm even in this passage. So I want to just recommend to you, explore that more. You've been given a lot of uh, materials to consider. There's short-term mission trips. I know there's the, the annual uh, Mexico mission trip. I think you guys do it twice a year. That's a wonderful short-term opportunity. The, the uh, re ministries represented at the booths are uh, wonderful opportunities for going short-term or long-term. You're going to get more access to that even next week. And then welcoming. I mentioned there's refugees right here in Emporia. There's international students. There's immigrants. How can you strategically be welcoming those from the ends of the earth in light of this global purpose? That we okay. And then finally, I want to close us tonight with this kind of same kind of praise that Isaiah ends this, that second stanza with. Rejoice all you heavens, all you earth. So can you humor me? Can we sing the doxology tonight as we close? Trusting that most of us know. Should, do we want to stand? Should we, should we stand? Let's stand to, to close us off. I'll, I'll kick us off. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Amen. You all sing beautifully. Jared. You, you can be seated. Andrew, thank you for that. That passage tomorrow, 2 Corinthians 5, is one of my favorite texts, so I'm excited about all that. Ashley, you might need to help me. Just want to remind you tomorrow, just normal Sunday services here at the normal time but challenge you to be here, also challenge you to be thinking ahead of time, because we want to, even as he was showing his outline, like, I, I want to see the Second Corinthians 6 um, that he had up there, so let's be here tomorrow night. Tomorrow night's important because Christian Challenge is going to be doing the meal for us, chance for them to raise funds to help them send some students on mission next summer. Not sure where they're going to go, but that's always an important part of our conference. Um, Ashley, any other things? I know I've got another thing I need to say. Anything you can think of that's important? No more drawings or anything? Okay. Here's a, a way you can help us because we, we need to get this set up, our normal seating for tomorrow. And so um, I assume that that's going to take tearing the paper off the tables right, and then we need to tear the tables down and get the chairs set up. There are some people here who know how to do the chair setup. But if some of us could really help that get, to get done, please don't leave like because we're doing that. Maybe just kind of move to the side, move to the back, talk, 
go see some of the tables, visit with missionaries, and then the people that want to help us, if you could help us tear down, um, put the tables away, and set up the chairs, that would be very helpful. So, okay, it's a good night. Yeah, it's a good night. So, yes. <coughs> Do we want to, we probably want to keep the decorations and stuff, Ashley, for tomorrow? Like, don't throw the globes in the trash or any of that stuff. Any particular place you kind of want that stuff? Like, we could take the decorations and... Okay, put them up on the stage, and we'll have some people take care of that. So, Okay, anything else important to do? Can we say a prayer? And then we'll... Yes, Alice. Yeah, if you have, did you guys get the prayer, the booklet the ambassadors wanted? In that, and you'll get the card of the next steps, but it is in the back of this. If you'll look on the very back page, you will see what those next steps are. We're really asking everybody to leave. Next week, we'll, we'll, we'll finalize this, but we're really wanting you to think about what of these four commitments, what's, if I'm really going to make one, it might be more than one, but one and next step is it going to be going Sending, mobilizing, or welcoming. And under each of those are two ways you can do that. We'll talk a little bit more about the practices, but that's where you can find that. Thank you, Alice. And we will get you that card tomorrow morning. So anything else? Okay, let me pray. And then like I do with, uh, with Nellie, we'll go ready, set, go, and then we'll, we'll take care of everything. So Father, thanks for this evening. We can gather around your mission and around you and to worship you. Um, by hearing about what's on your heart, Lord. Your lost children are so precious to you. You long to have them all back. Help generate in us an urgency for your mission. Just restoke that fire this weekend. And we just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.